morning, Grace Church. Good to see you this morning. I, I just wanted to start by saying if uh, when I say something this morning that just really ah, hits you, impacts you, you're, you're encouraged by it, you can just give a little, hey, all right? How about that? All right, let's practice, all right? On the count of three, one, two, three. All right, I, ho- I expect to hear that in my sermon today, okay? I expect to hear that. My name's Justin Ross. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and we welcome you, and we have been praying for you, and we are just uh, so honored that you have um, chosen to worship here at Grace Church this morning. Over the past two weeks, we've talked about the importance of putting God first in your life. We've been unpacking something that Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus said this in Matthew 6.33, These are the words of Jesus Christ. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need. So this morning, I just want to start by quickly reminding us of where we've been, okay? But before we do that, I need to just take a time out. I need to give some credit where credit is due Do you guys know that Bayfield is in the state championship football game? Huh? Isn't that awesome? All right? I just had to say that because I know we have some football players in the house. So congratulations to you guys, man. That's pretty awesome. And uh, just wanted to to give you some props there. So let me quickly remind us of where we've been. Two weeks ago, we talked about the busyness of our lives and how we we live in a busy bubble. We are a busy people. We, we have a lot to do. We have a lot on our calendars, a lot on our schedules. We have a lot that competes for our time and our attention and our devotion. We also learn that we were not created. We were not designed to do it all. We can't do it all. We can't do everything. We were not created that way. And we, we realized and we, and we saw that if we don't prioritize our life, if we don't put what's supposed to be first first, if we don't prioritize our life, someone else or something else will prioritize our life for us. Hey! All right? Hey, let's do it all together, man. One, two, three. Hey! All right. See, man, church should be fun. Last week, we saw that even Jesus himself went away often, the scripture says, often he went away into the wilderness to spend time with his father, to spend time in prayer, to spend time reflecting and hearing from the Spirit of God. Often he did this. You see, putting God first in our lives is about a relationship with God. It's about hearing from him. It's about communicating with him. And in order to hear from him, in order to hear from God, we have to spend time with God. And finally, last Sunday, I challenged us to spend 30 minutes a day Spend 30 minutes a day enjoying uh, time with God in your favorite place, wherever that may be, in your favorite chair, your favorite rocking chair, recliner, uh, maybe overlooking, uh, you know, uh, your beautiful backyard or in the mountains, just somewhere that you really enjoy. Spend 30 minutes reading the scriptures, praying and reflecting and, and listening to the Holy Spirit of God. And I just hope and pray that you've taken this challenge. It's not too late. It's not too late to ever start that challenge. So I hope that you would just commit 30 minutes a day to spend time with God. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's been, it's been greatly beneficial. It's been really enjoyable. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, but it's also been really good for my life already. And we called this challenge the 50-day challenge. 
So let me just tell you what the plan is for today, all right? In our time together during this talk, the plan for today is I'm going to share three examples from the scriptures of people that made the decision to put God first in their life. Three examples from God's word. And I hope that these examples encourage you. I hope they challenge you, inspire you, and and really motivate you to put God first in your life. That's, That's what my hope is that you will make that decision to put God first in your life. Before I share these three examples, I need to give you a bit of a heads up, though, okay? In each of these stories, we're told of people who, in faith, gave up something that they owned. They gave up something that belonged to them to show that God was first in their lives. Now, I'm fully aware, all right? I'm fully aware that one of the major criticisms of the church or one of the major criticisms of pastors like myself is that we're in it for the money, right? Man, we're just going to guilt people into showing up every week and we're going to just do our best to get you to open up your wallets and give me all your money, right? That's what we're in it for, the church and pastors. And I have to admit, there are some pastors who probably stand behind tables or pulpits or wherever on a stage and really they belong behind bars, all right? Not, not, not El Rancho bars, like prison bars, all right? Just to be clear, there are some leaders and pastors like that. But I wanted to make sure I communicated with you. Before I share these three stories, I wanted to share with you my motivation in why I'm sharing these three stories. I want you to know that we're not trying to get something from you. We're trying to get something for you. I want you and your family and your marriage and and your career, your work life, I, I want you to be blessed. God wants you to be blessed. I want God's favor and his protection to be upon each and every one of your lives. And the best way for that to happen, I believe, is for you to make the decision to put God first in your life. That is the best way for that to happen. Now, I know some of you are still skeptical. Some of you still, you know, don't believe me. You won't believe me. And I just want you to know that's okay. All right? I'm, I'm not, my job is not to convince you. That's okay. But I just hope that our actions speak louder than our words. I want you to just consider just a couple things before we get into the scriptures this morning. First of all, we don't take an offering here at Grace Church. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but we don't take an offering. We do have offering boxes in the back, and we hope that people will be generous in their giving, but we don't take an offering. And the reality is, it takes money to build a church, but it's not a requirement. We don't require giving from people that come to Grace Church. It takes money to build a church. The the church has real estate. Um, The church uses technology, we have staff, we send people out into the world to share the gospel, and that involves plane tickets, it involves housing and food and salaries. We help a lot of people who are in need with food and gas and housing on a a weekly basis. It takes a lot of money to see a church grow. But here's the crazy thing. One more thing I, I want you to consider Grace Church doesn't charge. We don't charge you to come to church. Isn't that crazy? All right? Hey, this, this Charlie Brown event that we're hosting, okay, we're, we're, 
trusting that over 800 people are going to be there, we don't charge for that event. It's free. And it should stay that way. But let me just encourage us to think through this for just a a moment. Imagine if you ran your business like we run the church. Anyone could just walk into your store and they could partake in all the services that you offer and all the, you know, the business that you provide. And you simply told your customers to give whatever they felt led to give and put it in the offering boxes as they left your store. It wouldn't work, right? You wouldn't be in business very long. It wouldn't work. Yet somehow the church survives. Somehow the church moves forward. You see, people come in and they pray and they connect with each other and they receive services from the church and they give as the Lord leads them to give and the church moves forward. And we have a promise from God's word that it's going to continue to move forward no matter what the opposition that comes against it. All right, that's out of my power. It's out of your power. God is the one who will build his church, and that's how it moves forward. It's not dependent upon your money. It's not dependent upon my charisma. Jesus Christ is the one who builds his church. As a church, it's not about the money. It can never be about the money. It cannot be about the money. It's about the heart. You see, the currency of the kingdom of God is the hearts of men and women and children. That's the currency of the kingdom of God. It's about your heart. And I have to say, why are you saying all this, Justin? Why are you saying all this? Because I want you to know my motivation. I want you to know what's motivating me as I share these stories. My motivation is that you will connect with God and that you will experience God and that you will give your heart to God. That's my motivation. I share these stories from the scripture to help you, to encourage you. I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something for you. And once again, you may ask, well, what are you trying to get for me, Justin? What is that something? Here's that something. Here's what I'm trying to get for you. I'm trying to get joy. I want you to experience joy and hope and peace. I want you to have peace of mind. Our communities need peace of mind. I want you to have fulfillment in your life. To know that there is great purpose for your life. That there is a great future ahead of you. That's what I want for you. Hey! Yeah, that's what it was. Hey! Hey! All right. Hey! I'm going to do a little tap dance, too, because that's good, man. Hey! Okay, let's get to the stories. This is getting out of... We're going off the rails here. In Genesis chapter 4, we see the story of Cain and his brother Abel. Cain and Abel were the sons of Adam and Eve. I know some may be here this morning that have never opened the Bible, and that's okay. All right, but... Uh, Let me tell you, Adam and Eve were the first man and the first woman created by God. And Cain and Abel were their sons. And the scripture tells us that both Cain and Abel, they brought an offering to God in worship to God. And God accepted, he received the offering of Abel, but he rejected 
he would not receive the offering of Cain. And this caused Cain to become very jealous of his brother Abel, so much so that Cain committed the first murder in the history of mankind. He killed his brother Abel out of jealousy and rage. But why? The question is, is why did God receive the offering of Abel and not the offering of his brother Cain? Why did God accept Abel's offering but not Cain? So let's read Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read verses 3 through 5. And it will help us understand the why here. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. In the course of time, uh, the way to understand that is after he got around to it. This is speaking of Cain. Okay, um, After he, basically it wasn't in front on his mind. It was just kind of in the background. So when he had time, this is kind of the way you would understand that. When he had time, Cain brought to the Lord... An offering. It wasn't his best. It wasn't his first. It was just an offering. When he had time, he's flipping about it. He brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. And his brother Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. Right? Firstborn. They, they were shepherds then, raising some sheep. And Abel, okay, I don't think the sheep quite look like this, but you get the point. Abel gave God his best, his first, the cream of the crop, you could say. So Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. So Abel made the decision to trust the Lord, and he brings the firstborn, right? The firstborn of his flock, the best, the first. And God accepts it. God receives it. Now Cain, he brings an offering. He brought the leftovers. He didn't bring God his best. And God refused Cain's offering. It's not that God didn't accept it. God couldn't accept it. You see, God couldn't accept His offering because God can never be second place. God is always first. He cannot be second. Abel made a commitment to walk by faith because he gave God the firstborn of his flock. Abel honored God with his best. He didn't give God his leftovers and he trusted that God would provide whatever he needed. Cain, on the other hand, he gave God his leftovers when he got around to it. You could say that Cain gave out of religious duty. He gave because he had to. He gave because he had to. He gave out of obligation rather than out of faith. Like, Can you see the comparisons here to our lives today? Let me ask you kind of an uncomfortable question. How many of us are doing what we're doing out of obligation or because we have to? We come to church. We maybe maybe even the, the religious duties, you know, I gotta read the Bible, I gotta pray, I gotta I gotta do the right things because I have to. Instead of out of this place of love for God or worship for God, out of this place of I want to. 
I want to do this because of how awesome God is and what He's done in my life. Can you see the difference? You see, God is very concerned about the why, about the motivation of your heart. Once again, remember the currency of the kingdom of God is the hearts of men and women and children. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is God first in your heart? Are you living your life for Lord, for the Lord? Are you doing it out of just religious obligation? Or are you doing it from a loving relationship? Have you had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ? Where you say, gosh, I am worshiping Him because I know Him. This question actually goes a little bit deeper. Would God accept your giving? Would God accept your serving? If you were to lay down, like all the, think of all the religious things you do, and you were to lay that down in front of God, would He accept that? The question is, is, is your heart in the right place? Are you doing it out of relationship and out of love for God? Or are you doing it because you have to? Abel gave his best. Remember the movie Tommy Boy with Chris Farley? And he had that little role. He's like, I just love you and I just want to. Okay, that was awkward. Okay. Wow. Okay, the next story that we're going to consider is found in the Old Testament. It's actually found in 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, 1 Kings was written by the prophet Jeremiah. So in this story, we read about a widowed mom and her son, and they were facing a very challenging situation. There was a great famine in their land. There was no food to be found anywhere. People were, were starving. People were dying. And this widowed mom runs out of money. They don't have any food, her and her son. And all they have left was a little bit of flour and a little bit of cooking oil. And here's their plan. And, and you can read this in 1 Kings chapter 17. Their plan was they were going to make a little bit of bread. They were going to have one last meal together and they were going to die. I mean, that was, that was how hopeless the situation was. Not too far away, there was a prophet by the name of Elijah. And he too had been affected by this famine. And God tells this prophet, Elijah, to go into this village, the village that this widowed woman lived. It was called Zarephath. And there, this prophet was going to go to her home, and this widow was going to feed her. So God tells Elijah, go to this widow's home. She will feed you. And so Elijah arrives at the doorstep of this widowed mother, and he says to her, God told me that you're supposed to feed me with that little bit of flour that you have left and that little bit of oil. And on top, of that, on top of that, God said, you're supposed to feed me first. And if you do this, God has promised that he will resupply all your flour and all your oil throughout the rest of the famine. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and go get washed up while you make the bread. And so, um, yeah, just trust me on this one. You know, give me the bread first. I can't help but imagine 
that this widowed woman struggled with this a little bit. Like Here's this little bit of bread that they're going to have left and her son and they're on the brink of starvation and this man of God comes in and says, you're supposed to feed me first. Like, I would struggle with that. In verse 13, Elijah encouraged her not to be afraid. You see, when we take steps of faith, because faith is just that. You take a step, whether it be in your career, in your marriage, in your parenting, you take a step of faith, and you don't know what's going to happen in the future. Taking a step of faith is risky. It's scary sometimes. And so this woman is confronted with this faith decision. Either I I believe this man of God, and I I do what God is, is saying to do, and he's promised that he will take care of all my needs, Or I just hoard it, you know, and I eat it, and we have our last meal and we die. And so she takes this step of faith. And she decides decides to obey. I imagine that she's struggling with this thought of God resupplying her needs, but she steps out in faith anyways. The woman in this story, she makes this decision to live by faith. She believes God will supply her needs, so she pours out all the flour I'm not going to pour it out, okay? She pours out all the flour. She pours out all the oil. She makes a little bit of bread. And she brings this bread to the prophet of God, Elijah. And I believe in every step that she takes, she's trusting that God will supply. And when she returns back to the kitchen, when she left the kitchen, the flour pot, the oil container was empty. But when she returned back, after she fed the prophet of God, she looked at that flour container, she looked at the oil container, and they were full. It was full of flour. It was full of oil. You see, God kept His word. God kept His promise. He did what He said He was going to do. And until the end of the famine, her oil and her flour container was full. God honored her steps of obedience. God kept His promise. She chose to keep God first in her life. And God honored that decision. Do you see the pattern here from these stories? When you put God first in your life, He supplies your needs. He takes care of your needs. He brings the provision. She put God first in her life. She did what God said. And God blessed her obedience. Let me just share one more story with you. Okay, this is the third story I want to share from the Scriptures. This is in the New Testament. And this story is widely known. It's a very famous story, but it's known as the widow's mite. Okay, so a widow's mite was a type of currency. It's not a widow's mite. It's just a mite, but it was her uh, money. And it was less than a penny. So one mite was less than a penny. So less than one cent. So just so you can see the value difference there. The story is found in the Gospel of Luke. Now remember, Luke is an eyewitness to Jesus Christ. He's recording all the things that he saw and heard Jesus do. And as we read in Luke chapter 21, we see this story. We see Jesus doing something really odd in Luke chapter 21. We see him, for example, we have an offering box in the back of this room. And it was Jesus was sitting right next to the offering box. 
And as people were leaving, he was watching them and watching the amounts and what they gave to the offering. Like, wouldn't that be awkward if at the end of the service I sat by the offering box and I just watched you come by, you know? That would be weird for me, okay? I know it would be weird for you, but that would be really awkward for me. But that's, Jesus is just watching. He's watching people give, and he's watching people as they came by and give their gifts to his father and to the usage of the temple. And after he's been watching, you know, rich people give large gifts, you know, because many of them, once again, what's the motivation? Some people give because they know people are watching. Jesus is watching these people give, and all of a sudden, a poor widow lady comes by, and she drops in what's, in our day, it would be like two pennies. She drops in two pennies. Now imagine, you know, people kind of go, gosh, that's not going to do anything, you know. What can we do with two pennies? My gosh. You know, I mean, people just even criticizing maybe what she gave. This poor widow drops in two small mites, two small coins into the offering box. The amount that she gave is not even enough to buy a piece of bubble gum. But this is what Jesus said. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 21, verses 3 and 4. And he said, Jesus, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had. She put in everything that she had to live on. She gave everything. You see, it wasn't about the amount back then, and it's not about the amount today. The amount doesn't matter. What matters is your heart motivation. That's the currency of the kingdom of God. God cares deeply about the why behind what we do and what we give and where we go. Her two coins, her two little pennies, couldn't even buy a pack of gum, but in the kingdom of heaven, she gave more than everyone did. This poor widow was willing to give everything she had. Listen, you have to know when I'm communicating these things, I'm talking into a mirror. I'm talking to myself. I mean, have I been able to say I am willing to give everything? It's tough. This poor widow lady showed amazing faith in God. So let me ask you, are you willing, are you ready to make a commitment to put God first in your life? Like whatever that means, are you willing and are you ready to put Him first? What would that look like in your marriage? What would that look like in your parenting to put God first in your life? I mean, in the raising of your children, what would that mean to prioritize your life so that God is first in your parenting? Because I think some of us in our parenting, we have some things that are in first place, but I'm not sure if it's God. And you have to be the one to answer that question. What would it look like in your finances? What would it look like in your personal health? Like everything you put into your mouth is like, man, is this 
putting God first in my life? Am I honoring God by what I'm putting into my body? Here's a question that our communities need to to wrestle with. What would it look like to put God first in your mind? What would that look like? What would that do to have God first and foremost in our thoughts and in our minds? Let me finish this morning by answering the question of why. I think somebody might be saying, you know, these stories are good, but why? Like, why should I put God first? What's the benefit? What, you know, what's it going to do? Like, why? Why, sh- why should we put God first in our lives? You know, I walked in, and man, it just seemed very fun, you know, and, and people seem to be excited about God. Why are you guys so excited about God around here? Why should we seek Him above all else? I can't answer for everyone. I'm going to answer for me and why I am going to try to keep God first in my life. We're excited about God around here because God came to earth in the form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus lived without any sin in his life. And after Jesus had been wrongfully accused, he was put to death on a cross. He was completely innocent. And he was put to death on a cross. And three days later, Jesus came back to life. And in doing so, he overcame all the brokenness that exists on this planet. Jesus is our champion. That's why we're excited about Jesus. He's our champion. He's our savior. And through Jesus, when we put our faith in him, we too can overcome sin and death and the hell and grave. Hey! Alright? Yeah, that's a good time. Alright? You don't have to do this, but if you want to, on the count of three, one, two, three. Yeah, there we go. We're excited about God around here because through Jesus, God blesses us. He saves us. He has forgiven us. He makes us faithful. And the scripture says that nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. Nothing. And not only that, but God fills us with His Spirit to teach us and to guide us and to comfort us and to correct us when we stray. We're excited about Jesus around here because of His incredible love for us. You see, God didn't love us because we were so lovely and cool. God loved us. Hey, God loved us. In spite of us. He loved us while we were broken. Think about. I'm sorry to drag up some bad memories. But think about the worst sin. That you've ever committed. And in the middle of that act. God died for you in that moment. He loved you in that broken. Messy moment. Isn't that incredible? Jesus loves us to make us more gracious. He he makes us more loving and kind and truthful. Jesus loves us to make us more free. Freedom. You want true freedom? It's found in Jesus Christ. Jesus loves us to make us more Christ-like. And that is something to get excited about. And that's why I'm encouraging you, leading you, teaching you to seek The kingdom of God above all else. So let me ask you. Are you willing to make that decision, to make that commitment 
today? Are you willing to say, Jesus, I want you to be my God? Are you willing to seek Him and His kingdom above all else? Because here's the option. Either it's true or it's not. Either you seek the kingdom of God above all else and you have all of your needs provided for and and you worship God or you keep doing what you've always been doing. It's probably not working very well, but you can keep doing that. It's really that simple. There's two choices here. You believe it or you don't. And I hope and pray I'm encouraging you to make that decision. It's It's a decision of faith. You have the ability to choose. Make the choice to seek the kingdom of God above all else. Hey! I'm going to close in prayer.